सो देर इज अ कॉन्सेप्ट इन फिजिक्स दैट एनर्जी कैन नीदर बी क्रिएटेड नॉर बी डिस्ट्रॉयड बट इट कैन बी ट्रांसफॉर्म फ्रॉम वन फॉर्म टू अनदर दैट इज एग्जैक्टली वॉट इज हैपनिंग ह्योर वेन वी टेक लाइफ एनर्जी दिस लाइफ एनर्जी कैन नीदर बी क्रिएटेड नॉर बी डिस्ट्रॉयड इट जस्ट मूव्स फ्रॉम वन फॉर्म टू अनदर एंड दिस इज री इनकारनेशन इवन इफ यू कंसिडर योर फील दैट समन कम्स टू लाइफ एंड डाई यू शुड स्टिल नॉट क्रीव because for someone who's born death is certain and for someone who's dead birth is certain so you should not grieve for the inevitable arjuna says shri krishna bhagwan do your duty without any attachment with the outcome success or failure profit or loss happiness or sadness no matter what the output is see them with an equal light and this is to that shri krishna bhagwan says when a man casts out all of his desires of the mind and he and is in content with himself then he is said to have wisdom a sankarshan joshi trip hello ladies and gentlemen welcome to the chapter 2 of the bhagavad gita series this is a sankarshan joshi trip podcast and i am the host sankarshan joshi chapter 2 sankhya yoga this is a very very special profound complex chapter that i had a challenging time understanding and digesting it so in the first chapter you have seen me refer to this Uh, bhagavad gita from the ramana maharshi ashram which is translated by to, to english by author osborn and professor gv kulkarni so second chapter is where shri krishna bhagwan comes into picture right like where he starts talking and he starts uttering words of wisdom and uh, the profundity and was like too much for me to decode so i i also studied the same chapter in uh, the reason language so in the other hand i'm holding the bhagavad gita in kannada language i can read and write kannada language and this is uh, gita press bhagavad gita so first i started in english and then i started it in my regional language and then i consumed both of them and then i digested it and then i created my own uh, perspective so i had two different lenses to to look from and to understand the same lines uh, because based on the language the perception also changes right slightly because of the words i also made extensive notes for this chapter so i hope this goes well this chapter starts with the narration of sanjaya so to give a brief of what happened in the first chapter so if you haven't checked that chapter out so please do go and check the first chapter of the bhagavad gita which i released last week In the first chapter Arjuna is overwhelmed with grief and when he looks at his own family on the other side of the battlefield he cannot stand up and he cannot fight and he is very devastated so that's the state he is in Sanjaya says that Arjuna's eyes are filled with tears looking at Arjuna's state Shri Krishna Bhagwan says Arjuna at this time of crisis why are you having such thoughts they are not the ones that come from a noble soul 
they do not lead you to heaven instead they bring you disgrace do not yield to unmanliness cast off the faint heartedness that you have and then stand up cast off your faint heartedness and don't yield to unmanliness so let me get back to this point in the in the upcoming course of uh, time as i'm talking through this episode right so there's an interesting point that i'm going to make about this so stay tuned for that when when krishna asked arjuna to stand up and uh, cast off the faint heartedness to that arjuna responds oh krishna the slayer of madhu how can i lose my arrows to drona and bhishma who are worthy of my honor so dronacharya was the teacher of the kauravas and the pandavas right so dronacharya was is his teacher and bhishma is his grandfather so those are the two people who he respects and and arjuna asks like how can i lose my arrows to people like this arjuna continues saying i would rather live as a beggar in this world than kill my own teachers and kill the people that i honor and even if i were to win this war and even if i were to gain all the worldly pleasures that comes with it that would be tainted with blood either we win the war or they win either we kill them or they kill us i don't know which is better but all i know is that the people who are standing in front of me who i am fighting up against are sons of dhritarashtra our family and our family are the people who would never want to fight arjuna says arjuna's nature is swayed with compassion and at this point of time he is questioning what is the right thing to do what is dharma arjuna then goes on saying krishna consider me as your disciple please be my guru and preach me what the right thing is to do like what do i do now arjuna sees no way to shed his grief he just throws his bows and arrows and he just collapses with grief so earlier krishna starts this chapter off by saying hey arjuna don't yield to unmanliness that will bring disgrace to you stand up and fight like be a man krishna is a comrade krishna is arjuna's friend so here we see that krishna is talking like a friend to arjuna you know that's how friends are right when when you see one of your friend who's very low you cheer up like that right you're like hey like stand up man like like be a man like do this do that and now that arjuna has addressed krishna as a guru he asks krishna to to guide him to preach him as a guru would now krishna will guide him as his guru see this is the thing about god and this is the thing about krishna that fascinates me is that god is whoever you want god to be now that arjuna seeks refuge in krishna and now krishna will talk to him like a guru krishna with a smile on his face says arjuna you talk of wisdom but you are grieving for someone who doesn't deserve grief wise men neither grieve for the living nor for the dead since arjuna is feeling bad to fight his own family right he is scared that you know he might have to kill his own family members 
So now Krishna talks about existentialism. He starts on explaining the whole process of what life is. Krishna says there was never a time that I, you or anyone did not exist and there will never be a time where we will cease to exist. With time passes how a human body moves from childhood to teenage to adulthood to old age similarly our body leaves this physical our soul leaves this physical body and then it takes on another body and the wise is not deluded by this fact it is these senses heat or cold happiness or sadness that feel it and they come and go they are impermanent so just bear with them krishna says wise men remain the same in pain as well as pleasure it is people like this who deserve moksha eternal life this eternal self no one can destroy it and it is indestructible this physical body will come to an end but the eternal self can never come to an end so arjuna stand up and fight krishna says the one who thinks that he can kill an atman the soul or the eternal self or the one who thinks that the soul or the eternal self can be killed both are wrong the soul can neither kill nor be killed atman or a soul cannot be born nor can it die there was never a time that it didn't exist and there will never be a time that it won't exist so this is the most interesting part about this entire conversation is the concept of eternal self so eternal self or the soul or the god that is being referred to here is the source energy of all the living beings it is the source from which everything comes and it is the source where everything goes to i will be elaborately explaining more about this in the coming course of this podcast knowing that this eternal self cannot kill or can be killed how can you say that you are killing someone or someone is being killed just like how we cast off our worn out clothes and pick up new clothes similarly this soul or this atman casts off this physical body and it takes up another physical body so this is the concept of reincarnation that is always being talked about in hinduism right so let me briefly talk about this concept reincarnation the core of this concept is a concept of soul so this soul it moves from one physical body to another so there is a distinction between physical body and soul let me give you guys an example so there is one person who is in a coma and there is another person who is dead both act like they are dead but there is still a difference between someone who is in a coma and someone who is dead right what is the difference that is the life energy so the person who is in a coma he is behaving dead but he is not dead 
बिकॉज ही हैज लाइफ एनर्जी द पर्सन हु इज डेड ही इज डेड बट ही डजेंट हैव एनी लाइफ एनर्जी इन हिम सो देर इज अ कॉन्सेप्ट इन फिजिक्स दैट एनर्जी कैन नीदर बी क्रिएटेड नॉर बी डिस्ट्रॉयड बट इट कैन बी ट्रांसफॉर्म फ्रॉम वन फॉर्म टू अनदर दैट इज एग्जैक्टली वॉट इज हैपनिंग योर वेन वी टेक लाइफ एनर्जी this life energy can neither be created nor be destroyed it just moves from one form to another and this is reincarnation right so this eternal self is 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 being referred to the soul so this soul is in touch with the eternal self so the soul comes from that eternal self and krishna continues saying that this soul cannot be cut it cannot be burnt it cannot get wet nor can it dry from wind it is the changeless motionless eternal self so stop grieving krishna then continues saying even if you consider or feel that someone comes to life and die you should still not grieve because for someone who is born death is certain and for someone who is dead birth is certain so you should not grieve for the inevitable o arjuna says shri krishna bhagwan krishna then says life energy the atman it is unmanifested initially and then it manifests itself in the middle as human beings or any life form and then it goes back to that unmanifested form what is there in this for lamentation o bharata krishna asks krishna then continues by saying one can look at this concept of soul with wonder one can talk about the concept of soul or atman with wonder but just because you are talking about soul just because you are hearing about the concept of soul or atman doesn't mean that you know the soul that you know the atman so in this post podcast just because i am talking about this concept of soul just because you are hearing about the concept of soul doesn't mean we know the soul and this process of knowing the soul is called atma gnana that is being referred to in a lot of hindu relics so atma gnana which is knowing the eternal self which is knowing god this eternal self is the god and when people talk about meditation right they talk about this concept so the whole the, the core of meditation is to realize the fact that you are the eternal self that you have god within you so this is the concept of meditation Krishna then continues saying the source of all the creatures is eternal so you should not grieve about this up to this point Krishna talked about the mortality of a man he addresses that aspect of ka of Arjuna's grief and now he talks about dharma now he talk talks about action so Arjuna was feeling guilty that he is going to kill someone or someone might kill him so Ar- so Krishna briefly explains the concept of 
life and mortality as human beings we have a concept of what life is right and we are we are indulged in this so he briefly explains like see this is what life is this there is a concept called eternal self there is a concept of soul which can neither be killed which can neither kill someone so this is this concept is not worthy of lamentation and next krishna says that you should not falter from your dharma arjuna's dharma as a kshatriya is to fight for the upliftment of righteousness in the society so that is the dharma of a kshatriya is to fight for the upliftment of righteousness and to end malevolence in this in, in the society in the world in the concept of hinduism in india before we had caste system brahman kshatriya vaishya shudra so people who were born into that particular caste were identified with that caste what exactly was the caste system so each caste had a certain occupation each caste had a way of life each caste had a routine that they that they followed and 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 they had their own life values which became their dharma for someone who is born into a kshatriya family he is being educated by his father who is a kshatriya who is a warrior and he gives him all the teachings that he has learnt as a kshatriya to his son and when his son learns about this he grows up to be a kshatriya he grows up to fight for the upliftment of the righteousness in the society so if you take brahman a brahman when he is born into a brahman family he is being educated with all the veda knowledge his his parents his they make him understand the vedas since they were educated since they have the knowledge of the vedas they pass that knowledge on to their kids so all their all their all their parents knew was the knowledge of the vedas and they passed their values to their kids and their kids who grew up in that environment pick up those values they pick up their education so whatever you are being educated growing up as a kid that will build your value system and that creates your dharma but that concept has changed now now we are all educated across different fields for for someone who is a who's born into a kshatriya family can now be educated as a businessman and be a vaishya and for someone who's born as a vaishya can learn vedas and he can know about stuff and then he can become a brahman so we are in a point where our education like whatever we choose to educate ourselves into like whatever we choose to educate ourselves that creates value system and that becomes our dharma hence we can choose our own dharma krishna then says for a kshatriya a battle like this is a doorway to heaven 
he needs to fight this war krishna then adds running away from this battle is like betraying your own dharma and hence you will incur sin men will talk about your dishonor for someone who has stood by honor dishonor is worse than death here we can see that lord krishna is going back to being a comrade and talking like a comrade krishna then says to great warriors in this battlefield who are sitting on their chariots will think that you ran away with fear and for all the people who stood by you who are fighting for the same cause as you will start to despise you so this is a arjuna's fight but this fight is bigger than arjuna himself there is a cause krishna then says your enemies will belittle you and they will question your manhood what could be worse than that <laughs> we can we can see the tone of the conversation that is going on here right when krishna is talking about soul though when krishna is talking about the eternal self the tone and the pace of the conversation is elevated and now krishna comes back to talking like a comrade like the tone that is being used here is completely different krishna is trying to convince arjuna why fighting and standing up is the right thing from every single angle he is talking like a friend he is talking like a guru he is talking like a comrade <laughs> krishna then then continues saying if you fight the war and if you die you will go to heaven because you were fighting for your dharma you were pursuing your dharma and if you win the war you will gain all the worldly pleasures you will gain kingdom you will gain all the things that that you lost so at the end of the day it is a win win situation if you pursue your dharma regarding the victory or loss of the battle regarding the output outcome of this battle see them with an equal eye hence you will not be incurring any sin says lord krishna you fight you stand up follow your dharma but regardless of what the outcome of this war is see them with an equal eye krishna then says until now i have talked about sankhya which is the right understanding and now let's talk about yoga which is right action and this is the segue where krishna moves to the concept of yoga action what is the right action until now krishna talked about what actually life is what mortality actually is and from now how can we use this teaching and apply it in terms of action would be the next course of this chapter knowing about the yoga will free you from the bondage of karma krishna then also adds in the pursuit of knowing yoga no effort is wasted and i think this is a beautiful statement because in the pursuit of knowing god in the pursuit of understanding yoga if you have taken one step that means you have gotten one step closer to god so 
no effort here is wasted krishna then says people with scarce consciousness who dwell in materialistic pleasures focus on vedas which talk about achieving worldly pleasures yet on the contrast they they say that the heaven is the epitome this is selective perception and confirmation bias so krishna here says people who are indulged in materialistic pleasures they look for they look for philosophies and vedas which which reaffirms their already created beliefs which will tell them that how to which will tell them how to get worldly pleasures so there are a lot of vedas which talk about so if you do this action you get this so if you do this puja you get this so by chanting this mantra you will gain this wealth so there are a lot of things like this so krishna is pointing out about this aspect of people who believe in vedas and he is also commenting on the contrast where they are dwelling in the materialistic pleasures they want it but they also say that heaven is the epitome and god is the epitome and that is the hypocrisy bound by desire they make paradise their goal krishna then says their thoughts are focused on the fruit of the action like pleasure pain and power their minds are captivated by words they do not abide in meditation with focus on the god the eternal self the soul nothingness so this is what i feel like eternal self right like when you meditating on it it's a state where there is nothingness you know the eternal self it is what it is krishna then continues saying according to vedas there are three types of gunas satvika rajasa and tamasa satvika guna is a tendency of seeking divine and rajasa guna is a tendency of indulgence in activity and tamasa guna is being downward or the negative tendency be free from all the gunas be free from all the polarities good bad profit loss be free from all the bias be free from acquisition and preservation that is a beautiful thing to say because we always identify ourselves with our certain belief right like we have a bias and when we have a bias when we see something we see through our bias we don't see something for what it actually is unless we get rid of the bias so here shri krishna bhagwan says get rid of your bias get rid of all the polarities see everything with an equal eye be free from all the polarities established to in the transcendental state possessed with the self krishna then continues saying the way how well is not of any use in a flooded land so are vedas to to someone who has realized the eternal self the one who is in union with the god the one who is in union with the self the one who is in union with the brahman krishna then continues saying something that just struck a chord in me 
he says your concern is always with the action not the fruit of the action and also don't cling towards inactivity don't cling towards not doing anything this reminds me of something that jordan b peterson he's a psychologist find something meaningful to pursue so when shri krishna bhagwan says here your concern is always with the action not with the fruit of the action he then says don't cling towards inactivity it just reminded me of the statement that mr peterson made find something meaningful to pursue krishna then continues saying do your duty without any attachment with the output success or failure profit or loss happiness or sadness no matter what the output is see them with an equal eye and this is called yoga output of an action is for the universe to decide universe the god the eternal self it is for that to decide the output of an action so not being attached to an output of an action makes us even more involved in doing the action that's when we do the best when we talk about yoga you i'm i'm sure you might have heard a lot of definition the current definition is the physical activity whatever physical exercises that you do is what people call yoga right but here you can see that yoga is not just an action it is also a state seeing things without any bias no matter what the output of an action is being the same is called yoga i'm going to let that thing settle here for some time because that is something that we all need to hear understand and consume it one who has this understanding precedes good or bad so strive for yoga arjuna and yoga is a skill in action says krishna yoga is a skill in action so whatever knowledge or whatever whatever philosophies that we imbibe and understand so so far krishna has talked about a lot of different things right understanding them bringing them to action is what krishna means here when he says yoga is a skill in action the wise who has the understanding of this yoga who renounce or give up on the fruit of the action or activity are free from rebirth and attain the state free from sorrow and constant bliss says krishna so let me just take a second and decode this statement so the first half says the wise who has the understanding of this yoga who give up on the fruit of the action are free from rebirth which means that when we do this when we give up on the fruit of the action we become a union with the god we become one with the god and the eternal self hence no rebirth the second half of the statement says that who has attained this state will get rid of sorrow and are always in constant bliss imagine you do an action and you have no attachment or you have no expectation of what the output is going to be then you are free from sorrow 
when you have an attachment with the fruit of the action right it's like you have an expectation of the fruit of the action and if something other than what you have expected comes into play that creates sorrow and expectations lead leads to disappointment that's a line that we casually throw around right so how to not expect anything it is by focusing on doing putting all our energy and focus in doing the action hence comes the purity of the action so when you have an output in mind and you do the action that means your action is biased because it is tainted with an expectation of an output so it's not pure krishna then says when your mind comes out of this delusion then the instruction that tells you how to get out of the delusion is of no use so that is exactly what vedas are trying to do right vedas or any philosophies any scriptures that is what they are trying to do they are trying to free you from delusion and when you are free from delusion then the instruction slash the vedas are of no use because now you are in union with the god by listening to different scriptures and philosophies your mind is bewildered focus on the god focus on the eternal self hence you will attain yoga says lord krishna so krishna here says attain yoga so here he talks about yoga as a goal so yoga is an action and yoga is the goal so it is the duality and that's the same philosophies that tao has right so to that krishna asks to that arjuna asks how does someone in union with the god in union with the eternal self behave how does one with that wisdom and firm understanding speak how does he sit how does he walk to that shri krishna bhagwan says when a man casts out all of his desires of the mind and he and, and is in content with himself then he is said to have wisdom wow what a beautiful thing to see man like krishna hasn't told us to leave everything and go to the himalayas sit and meditate and not be interested in any of the materialistic things krishna just says cast out all the desires from your mind and just be content with yourself and do your dharma without any expectation of the fruit and a man who has this is said to have wisdom one who is not shaken with grief or overwhelmed with happiness one who is not controlled with anger lust or fear is the sage of wisdom shri krishna bhagwan says he who withdraws himself from the sense pleasures as a tortoise withdraws his legs and head is said to have established with the brahman he is said to be in union with the god even after withdrawing from the sense pleasures the attraction towards it does not fade and upon seeing or witnessing the supreme god even that attraction fades away even though a man strives 
and is wise the sense forcibly distract him shri krishna says even if you are wise even if you know something you are still distracted to to do something that pleases your senses right let's take any form of addiction like alcoholism or pornography you know that it is not a wise thing to do but you are still attracted to do it and and krishna talks about it he 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 mentions that this is something that happens to a man one should have restrain on the sense distraction and establish focus on me when when shri krishna bhagwan says me he means god the eternal self and the man who is capable of this he is said to have wisdom here shri krishna bhagwan says when you are being distracted when you want to seek pleasure to your senses then restrain that feeling and focus on the eternal self focus on the god and someone who is capable of doing this is said to have wisdom shri krishna bhagwan says when a man dwells in sense objects then a sense of attachment develops towards it and from attachment desire develops and from desire anger when you desire something and your emotion like anger is based on the response of the desire are you getting what you expected are you getting what you desired if not then that creates anger and from anger delusion generates and from delusion develops forgetfulness says krishna when 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 krishna says forgetfulness it's the fact that we are the eternal self we forget that we are life energy we are the eternal god like we are in union with the god we forget this very fact and from this forgetfulness it leads to the decay of our intellect and with the decay of our intellect a man perishes krishna beautifully explains this but when a man navigate through life among sense objects with his mind and senses controlled free from desire he is said to experience serenity and bliss this reminds me of a metaphorical representation that was used in the bhagavad gita interpreted by paramahamsa yogananda and for the people who don't know who paramahamsa yogananda is he is one of the greatest yogis of india he says our senses are like horses of a chariot and our intellect should be like the krishna who is the charioteer who is controlling the horses each horse wants to go in its direction and if we let's horse dictate the direction then we will be all over the place the krishna controls the horses he is the charioteer and that's how our intellect should be it should control our senses hence we we all move in one direction krishna then says when a man is serene and blissful then comes end to all the grief and a man who is said to be in this state is said to have a stable mind when a man is controlled by his senses and he is seeking pleasure for his senses 
then he has no concentration and without concentration there is no peace and without peace how can there be a space for happiness shri krishna bhagwan asks arjuna then shri krishna bhagwan says if our mind goes wherever our sense takes us it's like a boat in an ocean and being swayed by wind and a boat will be destroyed so will be our intellect therefore o mighty armed aka arjuna who has completely withdrawn from sense is said to have wisdom krishna then says when it is night for all sage is awake and when everyone is awake it is night for the sage so let's just decode this statement so krishna says when it's night for everyone the sage is awake here we might understand that whatever the world is not able to see the man who has realized this will see who is the god the eternal self and when do normal people are awake when they are seeking the the pleasure for their senses then the sage is sleeping he is not awake so this contrast is very beautifully described what krishna bhagwan says next had a profound impact on me when i read it he says a man attains peace as all rivers reach ocean undisturbed all the desires and worldly pleasures will reach a man undisturbed this peace won't be there for a man who is desiring desires who is seeking things it just goes in line with what we normally say right we say what is mine eventually will come to me we generally say that statement right and krishna is exactly saying that he says you do your action you do your dharma you follow your dharma you do your action without any attachment to the fruit of it all the desires will come to you undisturbed but the man who seeks it won't have peace krishna ends this chapter by saying one will attain peace when they abandon all desire and acts without attachment free from i and mine this is the divine state brahmasthiti when a man has attained this state then he is free from delusion he is in union with the god and being in this state even at the end of the life he attains brahma nirvana what a beautiful way to end this chapter one will attain peace when they abandon attachment to the result of an action free from ego free from i and mine this chapter had a profound impact on the way how i thought life the way the way how i should navigate through life do the whole point of why i started doing this series why i wanted to cover bhagavad gita and each episode being a chapter is that i am putting all my energy and focus into understanding and digesting that chapter and 
and i'm trying to simplify this entire philosophies and and we all can do better just by understanding these philosophies that's about it ladies and gentlemen thank you for staying tuned this podcast is now available on video as well as audio if you want to hear to the audio version head to spotify geo seven gana apple podcast google podcast and if you want to look at me then head over to youtube stay tuned ladies and gentlemen for chapter 3 of the bhagavad gita until then bye bye a sankarshan joshi trip <laughs>